Oh my god, I'm gonna get emotional. Um, hi, I'm Taylor. Uh, I'm the editor in chief of Selfish, and I just want to say a few things before we get started. Um, almost exactly a year ago today, we, the four of us, stood up here and shared this tiny little project uh, called Selfish. And the audience was full of really just our friends and family and um, and our few readers who contributed. And it was really crazy because we had no idea what we were doing. Um, but everyone turned out to support us and show how much they cared. And it was really, really empowering and encouraging. And we didn't really think it was going to go very far. But we just felt like it was worth a shot. And what we wanted to do was something, sharing, even just once. Uh, so here we are on our third issue. And this room is full of people we know and love. And people we've just met. And people we don't even know. And that's crazy. So thank you, all of you. And this is so awesome. <laughs> so let's get started. <laughs> Um, first up, we have Ginger Buswell, I believe. Ginger? Hi. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming out in this wonderful weather. Um, so before I read my lyric poem, Loquella, I want to say just a few things about the title. Um, Loquella is also the title of a new experimental work of fiction by Carlos LeBay. It just came out in December by Open Letter Press, and it's an excellent novel. I highly recommend it. If you're really curious, you can also read a letter that I recently wrote to Carlos LeBay and published online at molasses.co. And feel free to ask me how to spell that later if you're curious. Um, LeBay and I took our title from Roland Barthes' A Lover's Discourse. And if you're not familiar with A Lover's Discourse, it's a collection of fragments that... Um, are arranged encyclopedically and investigate the ways in which we construct our experience of love through language. And um, Bart defines the term loquella as the flux of language through which the lover tirelessly rehashes the effects of a wound or trauma. And I began my lyric poem loquella with an epigraph taken from Bart's A Lover's Discourse from a fragment on reverberation. What echoes in me is what I learn with my body. Something sharp and tenuous suddenly wakens this body, which, meanwhile, had languished in the rational knowledge of a general situation. The word, the image, the thought, function like a whiplash. Roland Bart. I'm searching your face 13 months ago for a sign of happiness or frustration because I want to know exactly how you felt then. My eyebrows are creasing in the middle, and I'm peering back at us as if at a house receding in a rearview mirror. I am scanning your face 11 months ago for some sign of change and trying to remember if I was happy or frustrated then. I'm trying to remember if happiness and frustration have not always alternated in abrupt succession like stop-motion photographs. I'm scrolling through photographs trying to watch a stop-motion film of our failing love as if bottlenecking at our own car wreck, as if time is an upended cul-de-sac, and I'm suspended in one aching pause like a hammock. 
I think of the word mortification. I think of the process of death on a quotidian scale through which my present conception of myself ends in an abrupt realization and passes into humiliating retrospect. A sloughing off of understanding experienced as rigidity, a rigor mortis of the spirit. But it did not murder me. I am just someone else now. I think about semantic satiation, the process of repetition through which a word loses its sense and becomes just syllables strung together, imitating language. I think of the word girlfriend. I think about being a girlfriend for so long, I don't know what it means anymore. I've lost my sense. I've become a series of resonances of myself. I wake up and stare into the hollow space between my pupils and the wall until I get bored and get up to find another hollow space to stare into, a computer screen or my phone or a window. There was a brief period when I was not a girlfriend, when I lived alone and was caught between curiosity and astonishment, like a baby hearing a word forming for the first time. When I was alone like that, I'd sit in my window and stare at the street until it lost its sense. And the people walking by on the sidewalk became forms, lost their particularities, their reference. Everything was calmed by the mediating window pane. I'd look out at the fire station on the corner and watch the firefighters running their drills, running up and down stairs in the hollow drill tower, imagining echoes I never heard. I imagine you now in that apartment, walking by on that sidewalk, watching fire drills in the apartment upstairs. I picture you driving down the street past my window, past the fire station. I watch as you look back in the rearview mirror, then turn. I repeat the word fire until its sense falls away like ash. I see myself walking home, looking up from the sidewalk and seeing you in the second floor window passing the fire station on the corner and hearing hollow steps echoing through the street. I am looking at you, at your face in that window, and I am trying to imagine what I would say. Thank you. Hello. Uh, I'm Kelsey. I am uh, the contributing editor here for Selfish, and I um, apparently I'm going to be the uh, intermediary MC. So please bear with me. I hope to provide a little bit of comedic relief as we go. <laughs> um, so a couple of things. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I run. I help coordinate the events here at Skylight, and um, it's this is our third event here, and it's such an honor to be this side of the podium. It still hardly feels real three times in, and people continue to say that it is, but I still don't believe them. Um, and so I have nothing prepared for in between these things, so I'm just going to like give you snippets of what's going on back over here as people read. So the last thing that was just said was, I think my tampon is leaking. So we're really killing it. <laughs> um, and um, here's one of our props from, our, from the issue. So it's an um, oxygen mask, despite what my mom thought, which was a dildo. Um, <laughs> so here we go. So our next reader, uh, the beautiful Marissa Malone.
gonna borrow a coffee. Uh, hi, it's been a long time since I've read in front of people, um, but I'm excited to be here. I'm really, really excited about Selfish. This magazine's very interesting and important, and I hope to see it go farther in the future. Um, my piece is titled, Body Sense. One. It was a dry afternoon with a gaping blue sky. She went outside barefoot, stepping on the brick path littered with pine needles and called for her mother. As she looked, she strayed from the bricks and onto a dirt patch covered with weeds that spread like thin veins over the ground. When she entered onto this land, she quickly realized the damage that was done to her. Just from a couple steps, each foot had become impaled with small, hard spikes, the noxious fruit of these weeds. Balancing on the balls of her feet, she remained stuck in this patch of dirt for some time. Her feet began to pulse, her young skin inflamed by pain and fear. When she saw a neighbor emerge from their house, she silently pleaded for their help too afraid and embarrassed to actually make a sound. Her face swelled as they turned away and out of sight. Later, she found herself sitting on the edge of a bathtub, watching small red currents flow from her feet and down the drain as her mother gently picked out the thorns. Two. She would often rest her head on her mother's thigh, a task that required delicacy and skill of movement. Because the short hairs her mother's blade could not reach violently poked through the skin and into her cheek. She found that if she slid her head towards the knee, she could feel the satin skin, smell the lingering floral lotion, and succumb to the deep warmth that only comes from something living. But the moment she let her head completely give way to the softness, the hairs would prick and agitate, pushing her back into a self-supporting position. She endured this struggle, which always led to her defeat as she lifted her body away from the one she came from to settle into her own. Three. She hasn't shaved her legs in years. This didn't happen as a feminist act, but because a friend told her about a time when they were shaving their legs and a shiver went through their body, causing the hair to stand on end. As they dragged the blade up their leg, it took with it small bits of raised skin, Ever since hearing the story, the moment she held a razor over her lathered leg, the hair would rise. Four. She felt her body at once unique and entirely generalized. She knew she shared breasts, arms, legs, fingernails, and hair with other bodies, but the sight and thought of her own made her uneasy. Five. One day she came home to a terrifying sight. All of her stuffed animals sat in a pile in the middle of her room with their eyes cut out. Her favorite one, a large rainbow toucan, was the hardest to witness, the white foam clotting on the edges of matted material. She wept as the animals went into a black garbage bag. This was not unlike the time she found one of her dolls with its legs dismembered, later finding them glued under the cape of a witch riding a broom, a decoration her father created in a spun stupor. Six. 
The feeling of unraveling grips her. As if afraid her body were at risk of dismantling itself, she draws in her knees for something to hold on to. Everything threatens to reassemble itself in favor of this moment. The leaves shimmering under a street lamp, the woman in a glowing white sweatshirt smoking outside a blue house. They are the continuous building up and tearing down of the other in herself, her skin a tender divider. Seven. She remembered when she was young, hearing about a red line on her father's leg. If this line reached his heart, he would die. She imagined he watched that line every day, measuring it to know how much time it would take death to crawl the length of his body. She thought about the blood in her own veins circulating through her heart over and over again. Eight. At 18, she stood naked in front of the mirror and closely examined what she saw. She told herself, remember this. It will never be like this again. Years later, she tries to remember, but she can only see her body as it is now. She imagines what parts her 18-year-old self pushed out and sucked in as she turns side to side in front of the mirror. She sees her archer back awkwardly, intending to imitate the pictures of leggy women with bone-thin arms. She grabs, squeezes, pokes, and pulls her skin, and upon release, watches the blood flow erase the imprints of her grip. Nine. She takes it in and pulls it out to examine it from all perspectives. She is a multiple bound by some consistent unity. An underlying tension holds her together as she fits to her environment. There remains a sense of self somewhere in the mind or some place in her body, but she feels it with her gut. She recognizes it when she, loses, when she loses her words, the sound of her voice, a pantomime of her actions. Her body is held with bones and she travels with electric currents in her blood. She is buzzing, collected and composed on the outside. She is an allusion to the contracting wet folds underneath. Thank you. So I'm out of wine. She's going to have to refill that in a second. Um, okay, so she's going to give you like some running commentary on this period situation back here, um, which the next thing was, can I just like find a place to take my hand down my pants and check if it's leaking? Probably okay. Um, and let's see. Up next we have Agatha French, who, where are you? Right there you are. Here we go. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh, wow, this is this is quite a crowd. Um, thanks for coming, everybody, especially in the rain. Um, I have to say, um, Kelsey, you mentioned that it's that it's kind of it's always different being on the other side of the podium up here. It never really feels real. Um, and I have to say, if you're a writer that lives in Los Angeles, I feel like your mind sort of every now and again wanders to the sort of like reading at a crowd at front of skylight fantasy, um, <laughs> which is it's wonderful to have it come true. I just didn't really realize um, that I was going to be uh, reading a piece called Things That Have Made Me Cry Since Starting the Pill. That wasn't really part of my plan, you know? Um, although, now, although now that it's here, it feels really right. It feels really... Uh, <laughs> It, it feels it, it feels really good. It feels it feels really real. In fact, a little a little too real, maybe. Um, 
This is a very short piece. It's like under 100 words short. Um, like sneeze twice and you'll miss it short. Um, but funnily enough, I wanted to say that uh, since publication, uh, this piece has grown um, a lot. So this, this ended up being just an excerpt because apparently the list of things that make me cry um, while on the pill is like infinite. Um, it's just a constant source of material that renews itself daily, if not multiple times a day. Um, so that's, that's what I've been up to. Um, but no, but thank you so much, you guys. I'm so thrilled to have this piece um, in your beautiful magazine um, and to be reading with, um, with all the talent that's here. Um, thank you guys for coming. Thanks for Skylight for having us. And, uh, and, you know, thanks to the makers of Janelle Fay. That is the name of it. I don't know who names these things. Um, but it is called uh, Janelle. So... <laughs> So, things that have made me cry since starting the pill. That Jimmy Kimmel thing where parents pretend they took all their kids' candy away. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby, not just when she dies, also when Clint Eastwood is nice to her. <laughs> A YouTube video of Mr. Rogers when he's old and they're giving him some award. <laughs> a Facebook video of a little girl with a samurai sword at a martial arts competition. Did you guys see that one? It was really good. A lemon tree. <laughs> my boyfriend thanks babe my dad my therapist a cartoon monkey graffitied on a building that it seemed like babies might like <laughs> the revolving rack at the dry cleaners, all those empty clothes. <laughs> Bernie Sanders saying, I'm Jewish, and the crowd applauds. <laughs> so moving. <sighs> A woman I've just met asking me, so, what do you write about? <laughs> That's it, guys, thanks. Up. Um, all right, so just keep you going. It's just sweat, you guys, so don't worry. No blood. So everything's good. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little sappy again. Um, I don't know all of you in this room, which is amazing, um, because the first event that we did was like obligatory family and friends, um, who I love very much, and thank you all for coming, and thank you for continuing to show up. But the fact that there are strangers here who are excited about this thing that we do um, is quite validating in a way that uh, I thought I could anticipate it, but that feeling 
is it's it's overwhelming and new and um so you know I had to quell some tears over there but now I'm gonna have my own um so yeah just um the fact that Skylight is a place that continues to foster creative ideas and the fact that you all show up to support them is a is a wonderful wonderful feeling and we continue to grow and we hope that you will um I don't know, keep giving us money. Um, so that's it. I'm going to read from my wine really, really quick. <laughs> Fine. We're out of red, so white's happening. So now, now we have Charlie Starr. Excuse my wheelie. Um, wow, there's more people here than I thought. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. I um, was in a bookstore in East LA and um, it was rainy and I had one of those rare moments alone where I was just flipping through magazines like I used to do years ago before I had three little children and never enough alone time. And I picked up this little magazine and um, I just loved it. And it's great that now I'm, I'm honored to have a piece in it. And um, cheers to the success of your third launch. Um, so my poem is about becoming. And even though you may resent the experience that's asking you to become. It's called Grace. I am forgetting who I am. Sorry, hold on, I have my glasses on. Grace. I am forgetting who I am. I am seeping through cracks in the floorboard like the crumbs from breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner that I clean 365. I lost myself in the laundry somewhere, in an orphaned cream sock we bought for her tea party, in a diaper rash that required gentle tender baths at each changing. Or maybe it was this morning in the deathly quiet, alerting me that something was amiss. And surely, tiny, sweet, sticky fingers spread stickiness across 28 things, walls, chairs, candlesticks, in the dining room of my life. Maybe that's where I lost myself. Or maybe I baked myself and all my anger into the quiche last night, or in the snuggle bunny I found under the couch for the third time. The repetition grinds me into a resentment. I wipe and clean and wipe and clean and wipe and clean floors till finally, through some grace, I realize I have not been cleaning the floors. The floors have been cleaning me. Thank you. <laughs> Just wherever, Mom. You know, you don't know. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so we have one more reader for you, but before that happens, if we don't make our Kickstarter goal, I'm going to blame all of you. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, and what else do I have? I Before we finish up, um, the wonderful Yuiko and Molly who have helped make this... this um, you need to come like closer over here. This magazine a reality because without which Taylor and I could not do any of those things. <laughs> um, KKB for hosting. You are you are a rock star as always. Skylight, you're the best. And um, I have no more period jokes. You guys, I'm out. I'm really sorry. I know you're really relieved. Um, shut up, mom. <laughs> um, and now Yumi Sakugawa. Hi guys, thank you so much for being here. Um, I've been spoiled by Skylight hosting myself and all my friends and so many of my favorite authors, so it's truly an honor to be a part of any Skylight event and to just be here. Um, I always tell people that Skylight Books is my favorite bookstore, not just in Los Angeles, but really everywhere, and I think it's just evident with every event and the staff and just just everything, um, the tree, the cat. Um, so thank you all for being here. Thank you, Selfish, for um, having my little comic in their latest issue. And I didn't tell Taylor this, but uh, with the theme of good girl, have you been a good girl, it it was so hard for me to um, come up with this comic. So I just want to thank Taylor and the founders of Selfish for Posing such a difficult theme that uh, really forced me to uh, dig deep and come up with something honest. So uh, I'll be reading my short comic, B. Uh, it's less than 20 words, so I'm going to go through it slowly. Good girl. You good girl? You. God. A girl. Thank you. (laughs) 
You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.